Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Anyways, well, let's get into this today. We're going to just continue a series. Really, I told you that for the next several weeks, if not months, we're going to be looking at this theme called momentum. And this idea behind momentum is, is that uh, really momentum begins with a decision to devote yourself to what matters most to God. And this devotion is what generates momentum in your life. It generates momentum in the right direction. It's important you understand that because if you understand momentum, momentum is when a mass or a group of people or something moves in a certain direction and begins to gain momentum so much so that when there's momentum happening, it's really hard to stop it. Now, the danger with momentum is, is that if we're not careful, momentum can slow down to a standstill and momentum can begin to go the wrong direction. The reason I'm sharing on this over the next several weeks, well, we'll talk about miracles. We're going to talk about sharing our faith. We're going to talk about, uh, spend some time talking about money. We're going to talk about uh, community. We're going to talk about all sorts of things throughout the next month. I just felt the Lord say, take your time and walk through the book of Acts for the first few chapters and literally try your best just to articulate for the church what the church should look like, what momentum looks like in your life, what momentum looks like in the church, and if we're not careful, we can build our lives on uh, a standstill motion. There's no momentum one way, and there's no momentum the other way. We're just kind of lethargic. I call that religion. And that's when we get stuck in religiosity as Christians. We get stuck doing the same old thing and kind of checking into church and checking out. And we get stuck by just kind of going through the motions. And we, we, you know, we read our Bible whenever we're in need. And, and we pray whenever we have a need. Or, but we're not regularly uh, devoted to the things of God on a regular basis. Where we'll go to church every now and then. Or we just find ourselves static and, and, and not moving forward and not passionate for the things of God. And it's a standstill. And the danger is you begin to build your life on the standstill reality of momentum. You begin to build your life in this place and without realizing it, your momentum begins to go backwards. And when your momentum goes backwards, bitterness sets in, unforgiveness sets in, different bondages set in, and ideologies and philosophies of this world set in, and without even realizing it, someone says, well, what is your take on God? Or what's your religious position? They say, well, I believe in God. I believe in God, but I just don't believe in the church. I don't really believe in the Bible, and I don't really believe in a personal relationship with Jesus. I just, I believe there's a higher power. What happens is, is we build our lives, and eventually we start, our momentum begins to go backwards, and we don't even realize it. So I have a deep burden to make sure that every one of you continues to keep your spiritual momentum going forward. The way for you and I to continue our momentum forward, we see this in the book of Acts. We can understand this and see that the, the, the people in the book of Acts were the very first church. You today are simply an overflow of what happened almost 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, there was a move of God. And what was happening in this, in this book, a little context for the book of Acts, for those of you who don't know, it was, uh, there was lots of Jewish people, Jewish uh, people from all over the world were gathering in a, a, a specific place. And for 1,500 years, they had made this, 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 uh, this journey to Jerusalem, this journey to the place where they would uh, celebrate the Passover. 
And the Passover, remember, uh, the, remember the, the prince of Egypt? It was the Passover was the story of when uh, God, uh, they had you put the blood of the lamb over all the doorposts in the book of Exodus to protect God's people from the death angel. And so it was this remembrance that God saved his people from death. And they celebrate that. And then 50 days later, they would celebrate the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, what they would do is they would gather around. And generally, this town of Jerusalem was about 100,000 people. But in this time, during Pentecost, it was almost a million people had gathered around this town. They were camping in the surrounding uh, fields and camping in the surrounding places. And, And many of them there today were religious Jewish people, meaning that they had been taught by from generation upon generation the realities of this Yahweh God. Are they part of the Red Sea? How he went across the water, how he saved them in the in the in the place of of the desert and brought them into the promised land. This was stuff that was passed down for generation upon generation to these people, but it began to be very religious because they had six hundred and some odd rules they had to keep every day to keep right with God. They had rules and regulations and they had to pray a certain amount of times a day and they couldn't eat certain foods and they couldn't do certain things. And so something that God intended to be a relationship turned into a religion. And all of these people were making their journey to this place of Jerusalem to celebrate this day of Pentecost. And some of them may have had a relationship with God, but many of them were just following the ritualistic religious perspective and ideology that they had been taught from a young age. They had never maybe had an experience with the living God because his name was Jesus. And many of them there today didn't even know about Jesus, had never even heard about Jesus, had never understood who Jesus was. And they gathered in this place, but there was this radical move of God that was happening. This man named Jesus walked on the earth for, for 33 years, and for the last three years of his life, he walked with different people. And by the end of his life where he had died, and he rose again, there was about 120 different people who called themselves followers of Jesus Christ about what this room looks like here. And they gathered together. And these people believed that Jesus wasn't just a good man, as history tells us. They believed that Jesus is and was God. They believe this because he was born a Virgin Mary and the Bible teaches us that he was, Jesus existed before the world began and that he walked on the earth completely without sin and that there was historical accounts that were written hundreds and hundreds of years prior prophesying and, and declaring that Jesus Christ would come to the earth and he was eventually crucified and he was murdered. Why? Because he claimed that he was God and they put him in a grave. And guess what? Three days later, the grave was empty and Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And you say, well, Ryan, how do you know that he rose from the dead? Did you know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most, most proven historical facts in all of science? You know, we have at least 10 different points of historical evidence to prove that this man rose from the dead. Darwin didn't rise from the dead. Muhammad didn't rise from the dead. Mother Teresa didn't rise from the dead. Jesus is the only one that rose from the dead, and that's why he is God. We're not here today because of this this philosophical ideology of a spiritual realm. No, we believe in a man named Jesus Christ who walked on the earth and died. Why did he die? He died for you and he died for me. Why? Because we had rejected God. We were sinners at birth. And Jesus came and he died for us and he rose on the third day. Why? So that you and I, when you and I die, eternity is absolutely real. There is a heaven 
and there is a hell. And when you and I die one day, we will never die, but we will spend an eternity with Jesus Christ. Not only that, we have an abundant life on this earth where our lives are transformed and made new and we have a life community and our hearts are changed and transformed. Serving Jesus is far better than serving ourselves. And so these men had had an encounter with God and they saw Jesus appear to 500 different people and the tomb which he was laid was empty and there was four different historical documents, the Gospels that wrote about the same account of Jesus rising from the dead and many of the eyewitnesses, in fact, 12 of the disciples who followed Jesus, 11 of them were brutally murdered for this confession. Don't you think if something wasn't true and you were about to be nailed to a cross upside down or have your head cut off or sawed in two that you'd say, actually, it was just all fake. (laughs) These men were willing to be brutally murdered for this confession. Why? Because it was true. They believed that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And here are these people gathered together just like we are today, singing Jesus over everything. And Jesus had ascended up to Acts chapter 1 and the, Dr. Luke told us this in Acts chapter 1 where Jesus ascended to, to heaven again until one day he'll return for his people. And the, these people were gathered at this upper room and they were praying and they were singing songs and doing just what we're doing today and just seeking God and just what are we doing next, God? Come and move in our midst, God. Do something great in our lives, Lord. And all of a sudden, as Acts chapter 2 says, the Holy Spirit came down and the Bible says it was like a mighty rushing wind and like tons of fire rested on each of their heads and they began to speak in these languages. And what they were speaking were, were different languages of the earth declaring the goodness of God to all of those that were there, the 900,000 people were hearing about the wonders of their God and how he was the creator and how he loved them and how he died for them and how he wants to have a relationship with them and he wants to spend an eternity with them. These are the things that they're declaring in French and in Spanish and in Portuguese, all these different languages they were declaring and the people thought they were drunk. And Peter gets out and says, it's only 9 a.m., guys. And someone shouted, it's 9 p.m. somewhere. <laughs> It's only 9 a.m., guys. They're not drunk. This was a move of God. This was foretold by the prophet Joel hundreds of years ago. The prophet Joel said that a day will come in the last days. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. In the last days, I will move in a mighty way and I will pour it out. In fact, your, your prophet David, David, one of the most well-known historical documents and historical proven uh, figures in Scripture is David. David foretold of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, and guess what? You murdered God. Now, I know you didn't know this, Jewish people. I know you were waiting for the Messiah to come. You were waiting for God to come, and you thought that God was going to come in, in a, on a beautiful white horse and looking all godly, but he decided to come born to a virgin Mary, and he was born in a stable, and he was poor, and he walked the earth, a humble man, and he hung out with ragtag people. Nothing that Jesus did looked like what royalty should look like. So you were looking for something else, but when Jesus came, he chose to come like you and like like me, and he died for people like us. He said, but did you know that you killed God? That you crucified this Messiah that you've been waiting for for thousands of years? And the scripture says that when they heard this, the word, Peter's words, pierced their hearts. They said to him and to the other apostles, apostles, basically the disciples, those were just who were followers of Jesus. Brothers, what should we do? 
We just heard that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We just heard that it's been prophesied for thousands of years. We just heard that there's historical documents that have proven that Jesus Christ is God. There's, what do we do now? I didn't know that I was crucifying. I didn't know that my life and the choices that I make in my life were crucifying Jesus every day. I did not know that. But now that I'm aware of it, what do I do? How do I get a right relationship with this God? I thought that he hated me. I thought he was a God of wrath. I thought he wanted to destroy me. No, no, no. That's why he sent Jesus. To make all things right. What do we do? He says, each one of you, repent of your sins and turn to God. Choose to say, you know what? This life of sin I'm living, you know, you might not even be in crazy, quote unquote, sin. You just might be, you know, you might be a great person. Say, I don't need this Jesus. But guess what you do? Because Jesus is the only one who is good. He makes us good, but we are not good. He says, turn to God. Be baptized, which is water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and to those afar off. All who have been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, don't worry, uh, I'm going to be preaching for a... Yeah, that he used to preach for like hours, okay? So 30 minutes ain't that bad. <laughs> preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Look what it says. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized. And they were added to the what? They were added to the church. They didn't just start a relationship with God and go off on their own. They didn't just start a relationship with God and say, well, it's just me and Jesus. No. They were added to the church. About 3,000. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those who had a need. And they worshiped together at the temple each day. And they, they met in a home for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and great generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Acts chapter 4. All the believers say all. Were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything that they had. And the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing, hallelujah, was upon them all. And there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. This is what momentum in the church looks like. Incredible commitment to God's word. Incredible commitment to being with each other in fellowship. Incredible commitment to being in each other's homes and doing life together. Incredible commitment to praying together. Incredible deep awareness of the spiritual realm. There were signs and wonders in their midst. People being healed, transformed, made new. When's the last time you saw that in church? We're contending for it. That you'll walk in the room and bring your sick friend and they will come and be healed by the power of Jesus. Not because we want to make a name for ourselves, but because that's what Jesus does when there's momentum in his church. 
And they gave their finances generously and sacrificially. They gathered in one place regularly. They shared everything they had with each other. They met, with each, they met each other's needs. They worshiped together at the church. They ate together in their homes. They enjoyed joy and generosity. There was people being added to the church. They were in complete unity. There was great blessing and great grace upon them all. There was not a single person who had a need in the church. There was lost souls who were finding Christ. There was disciples being made. There was marriages being restored. Signs, wonders, miracles, provision. That's what spiritual momentum looks like in the church. We look at this, the key text that we're going to look at for this week and next week. I want you to read it. And I, you might know where I'm going with this, but maybe you don't. So this key text really articulates what generated momentum. Yes, Jesus. Yes, an acceptance to follow Christ. Yes, to be in the church. Yes, to follow him. Yes, to these things. But... There is something in this text that we see that actually begin to stimulate and generate momentum in the right direction where they begin to have, listen, the church experience that you have been looking for. Some of you have been looking for churches and going from church to church to church, looking for a church experience, but what you just read is the church experience you are looking for. Something in this scripture that we see, and I'll put it in yellow, all the believers devoted themselves. This is the first verse after God added, after there was preaching, after the people accepted, after there was baptism in the Holy Spirit, after there was a move of God in their midst. This was the first verse that Dr. Luke wrote to identify what made them different than the people of the world. There was an intense devotion. And then what did they, what they added to? There was an intense devotion to this idea of God and the idea of this local church who is all about realizing that life is short and eternity is real and people matter most. There was a devotion. Before their devotion was focused on religion and every time they did a good deed, they thought, okay, God, do you love me? And every time they went to church, they thought, okay, I'm doing good things to get in God's good grace because if I don't, I just don't know if I'll make it to heaven. When in reality, something shifted. Now they realize their devotion was to Jesus, not because if they did good things, he would love them, but because he already loves them so much just as they are. There was a tense devotion this devotion, it identifies this spiritual momentum. Devotion is the key to experiencing what we want to experience in Love City Church. Our devotion to the Lord, our devotion to each other, our devotion to the Word, our devotion to prayer, our devotion to the house of God. If you want to experience what you've never experienced anywhere ever before in your church experience, it comes down to your devotion. This word devotion is a crazy word in the Greek. It means this, to fully immerse yourself in or fully embrace something and never stop or quit. It means to consistently and constantly give your full attention to something. It means to keep on going and be faithfully committed to something no matter the cost. It means literally the Greek word is used to identify like an addiction, to addict yourself to something, to make a habit of abandoning yourself to something almost obsessively. Literally, that's what the Greek word means. When they heard the message of Jesus and they experienced the, the realities of God, and I, I, wanted, I see this in Amanda. Last night, we were sitting at, at uh, housewarming. Congratulations, Cheryl. And congratulations to Joel and Catherine. Is she in here? Oh. 
Hi, sweetie. And I looked over in the corner, and there's Amanda with her legs up on the couch and Brea with her eyes wide open, and they are having the deepest, most intense conversation about Jesus. <laughs> Brea's like, eyes are like, oh my gosh, this is so intense. And Amanda's just, and I, I, we got in the car, and I was like, what were you guys talking about? She said, oh, she's telling me about Jesus. I said, you want to know why? Because Amanda is devoted to the Lord. She loves Jesus. She just, she found Christ when she was far from him, right? And you, you had addiction in your life and relationship struggles and you came to church one day and you raised your hand and you got saved and you began to take things off your life and, and transform you and make you new and now you're a new person. You're made new. Why? And there's an intense devotion towards the things of the Lord and sometimes it's like, whoa, she's more devoted than I am. And you say, well, that's crazy. no. That's what church should look like. Now, hear me. I'm not saying over-spiritual weirdos. Let me tell you, just say that. Not people who are so spiritual that they're no earthly good. Listen, I'm not talking about people who are constantly walking around being all nuts and weird. And, oh, did you see the angel walking by? Like weird stuff like that. I'm just talking about regular people who do regular things and live a regular life, but at a supernatural encounter with God. And they have such a deep, obsessive passion for the house of God, for the things of God, for the word of God, for prayer, for being in fellowship with each other. You don't like coming over to my house? Well, you're coming anyways. You're going to come over and we're going to talk and we're going to hang out and we're going to have a food together and you're going to love it. Just kidding. We'll talk about that next week. <laughs> But you want to notice something about this verse. All the believers, look at this. Read this with me. Devoted themselves. Well, man, if preaching was better, I might devote myself just a teeny bit better. Man, the lights were better at the time when the service was better or if the people were nicer, if they didn't like, you know, Michael Baker invites me every single day to go to a barbecue <laughs> And I don't know what, I just, you know, he's just too nice. He's just too kind. They devoted themselves. They met Jesus. They were added to the church. And they said, okay, I'm devoting myself. I'm not going to wait for someone to invite me. I'm not going to wait for someone to invite me to a group. I'm not going to wait for, you know, no one said hi to me today, man. No, you devote yourself. How about you say hi to them? Well, I'm brand new. Well, good. Join the church. Let's get in. They devoted themselves. They made a personal decision themselves to devote themselves to the things of God, to the house of God, to the word of God, to prayer. Man, if I just had more Bible study options, I would read my Bible more. No, devote yourself. It's a personal decision. The direction, of your, the direction of your momentum is determined by your decision to devote yourself to the right things. Ryan, why am I going backwards? Well, what are you devoted to? Well, Ryan, I, I love video games and I play video games for 12 hours a day. That might be a good starting point. Well, Ryan, you know, I'm on you know, social media all the time. Or man, I just keep going to the, you know, the pub every weekend. You know, it's okay to drink, but man, I just keep having too much and I'm having too much fun. Or I keep being in an unhealthy relationship or I keep doing this thing. Say, Ryan, why can't I see forward momentum? It's because you're devoted to the wrong things. You devote yourself. You feed yourself. I know I'm being a little rough on you, but I'm only saying this because this, I believe that this is the key to spiritual momentum in your personal walk with Jesus. You cannot wait until the reality of the situation pans out, until the sun begins to come up, 
until there's light at the end of the tunnel, until God begins to answer the questions. Remember, devotion is a consistent, continual uh, yes to God and never quitting, even when life sucks. Even when the church is going through a rough patch. See, often we make our decisions of devotion based on our emotions or our feelings. What's working? What feels right? What seems to be going in my favor? And yes, these are actually great indicators. But what happens when the devotion that you made to devote yourself to Jesus and the church and his word and prayer, what happens when it takes a turn? What happens when you get offended? What happens when someone hurts you? What happens when your prayer isn't answered? What happens when you're feeling disconnected? What happens when you've fallen away? What happens when your feelings and your emotions, your soul is in charge of you rather than your spirit person? And this is where so many followers of Jesus are today. This is where so many people who are so close to finding Christ are. Everything is based upon how life is going. We base our experience in church on how I feel and did this person like me and are they nice to me and why didn't the pastor look at me and talk to me or you might say, man, this or that, whatever it might be, it's always based upon our soul person, our emotions, devotion and our commitment to Jesus and our commitment to his word and our commitment to pray together has nothing to do with how you feel. It's nothing to do with how it makes you feel. It is all for him. How many times, and I love you, Steph, have I looked my wife in the eyes and said, I love you, and deep inside, I don't feel it at all. Any married people who are bold enough to put your hand up? And just see, you can't believe you raised your hand, you're in church for that. You're supposed to not, that was a trick question. See, our devotion to Jesus and the devotion to the house of God is not based upon how we feel. It's based upon a personal commitment to say, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He transformed my life. He made me new. Yeah, life ain't perfect. Yeah, I've still got struggles. Yeah, I've still got areas of my life where I'm dealing with stuff. Yeah, the pastor's kind of mean. Or yes, the worship's not right. Or maybe the lights are off. Or I kept going off during church. And I don't like that. You know, why were the lights going off? That was weird. Uh, whatever it might be in your life, do not base your commitment to Christ on how you feel. That's what our society says. And in fact, a lot of our church marketing and a lot of the things we do in advertising is all about trying to make you feel good. Make you the hero of the story and make me the hero of the story. There is only one hero of the story and his name is Jesus. And when you found Christ, you were added to the church and the first thing they did was they began to devote themselves. What happened when they begin to devote themselves and we'll take time this next coming weeks to identify what that looked like. They made an explicit, explicit conscious decision that I'm going to devote myself to the church of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be there when they gather for prayer. I'm going to be there at worship. I'm going to be there with a group. I'm going, to, I'm going to join a group. I don't want to join a group. I don't like people very much, but I'm going to go. In fact, I don't even like the leader, but I'm going to be there. Why? Because I made a devoted commitment to Christ. And you'll see, I'll show you in the coming weeks. Your devotion to group and your devotion to prayer and your devotion to the word and your devotion to, to these things isn't just optional. I want you to notice something. Look what it says. What does it say? This does not leave a lot of room for us to pick and choose what we want to do. There are a lot of people in today's church and today's world saying, you know what, that's not really for me. Group, not for me. Prayer, yeah, not my thing. You know what? It is for you. If you. These are actually the attributes 
of what it looks like to be a true believer. Not just someone who makes a confession with their mouth but doesn't live the life. A true believer has a devotion to the Word of God, the teachings of Jesus, and they might not always understand it. You might not always understand the Word of God. Don't quit on Jesus because you don't understand His Word. Listen, this is right and we're not. I encourage you today, when you devote yourself to the apostles' teaching, how many people disengage because they say, I just don't understand it, or it doesn't make sense, or our society says the opposite. Listen, the society's not correct. God's word is correct. Devote yourself to fellowship. We'll talk about this in the coming weeks. Koinonia, the same word used to describe an intimate sexual relationship between a man and a woman. Now, hold on. What that means is, is that there's such intimacy, healthy, godly, intimacy between us that we're so connected and so know about each other's lives we're laying our lives down for each other we're making commitments to each other how many even know in a marriage relationship you made a commitment that till death do us part and sometimes you're hoping that it will part because marriage is hard same thing with jesus the same thing with his church you're gonna have moments where you want to part but guess what Bible says all believers devoted themselves to the fellowship. All believers devoted themselves to being in each other's house. All the believers devoted themselves to praying together. This is what we're going to talk about for the next couple weeks. We're going to spend the next month talking about miracles. I want to take three or four weeks and talk about miracles. I want to teach you from the Bible that, that what the Bible says about miracles and believe that we serve a God who heals and transforms lives. We're going to talk about sharing our faith. We're going to talk about money. If you read in the scripture, some crazy things about money in the scripture we won't talk about right now. But I want to just end on this today. This is the, the momentum generator for your life, your devotion. What are you devoted to? Maybe you're too devoted to your job. Maybe it's an unhealthy relationship or a certain area of your life. What is the devotion? This is a moment for us to say, okay, Jesus, we want spiritual momentum to be generated in the right direction. I'm going to get my devotion back on you. I'm going to get my devotion back on your word, Lord. I'm going to get my devotion back on prayer. I'm going to get my devotion back in the house of the Lord. I may, I may have been hurting it. I may have been to understand it. I don't always like it. But God, the Bible says it, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to devote myself to prayer. I'm going to devote myself to these things. I want to make you a promise today. And I believe this. That if you make a uh, devoted commitment to do these things, you will see spiritual momentum and breakthrough in your life. You will look back on your life and say, I can't believe I didn't used to read my Bible every day or I didn't used to join prayer or I didn't used to be in a group or I didn't used to do this or I didn't used to do that or I didn't used to you know, come to church on, on Sunday. I can't believe if I, I made the commitment and I see the payoff in my life, the fruitfulness in my life of making those commitments of what were identified in the scripture. What did it do? It percolated and generated and stimulated spiritual momentum and faith and joy and generosity and passion for the things of God. My prayer is that Love City Church won't be a dead church. My prayer is that Love City Church won't be an apathetic church. We will be alive and passionate and, and devoted to see people come to Jesus. Why? Because life is short. Eternity, heaven and hell is real. People matter most. We want to reach as many people as we can for the name of Jesus Christ so they can come and experience him. Amen. Let me pray for you right now. We're going to sing a song. Would you stand to your feet for a moment?
you close your eyes for a moment, bow your head. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus at all. Maybe you've never made that commitment to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, it's really simple. The Bible teaches us that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is God, there's a confession that Jesus, I believe you're the only God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Come on, every eye closed, every head bowed. I'm not going to pull you forward. I won't call you out. I just want to see who I'm praying for today. In the room today, every eye closed, come on. And you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time. You say, I've never really done that. I've never accepted him into my life. And you'd like to do that today. Would you just put your hand in the air really quickly and then put it right back down. And I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. Anybody in the room say, you know what? I want to give my life to Jesus. I'd like to start a relationship with him today. Come on. Anybody else? Come on, Father, right now, I just pray for this person, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just give our hearts to you today, Lord. We say, Lord, we want to make a fresh devotion to you. We confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that you are God. We choose today to serve you. Lord, I pray for every person in the room. Lord, today, during this last song, we have an opportunity to realign our devotion. Our devotion's on you, Jesus. We make a fresh commitment in this fall season to say, Lord, we want our momentum to go forward towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, at the end of the service, if you gave your life to Christ, there'll be a, a phone number or a QR code. Just text that number or do that QR code and let us know. So we'd love to pray with you and get you a Bible and chat with you more. Come on, let's sing this song together. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.